Well, I can't compete with that. Weren't they wonderful? And it just makes you happy to be a grandparent, doesn't it? Look, the moments that we've got remaining, I want to just share some more out of James chapter 3. And um, in the event that you are a visitor here today, in the last several Sundays, we have been looking at uh, the godly and ungodly use of the tongue. And like every other area in life, the scripture uh, does not uh, leave us without knowledge of what God uh, desires of us and how he will help us um, use every part of our life for his honor and glory. So I want to read these verses of scripture, James chapter 3, verses 1 through 12. James talks about the ungodly use of the tongue, and soon we'll be getting to Colossians chapter 4, And that talks about the godly use of the tongue. So if you have your Bible, I encourage you to turn to those two passages of Scripture, or you can follow along on the screen, okay? James chapter 3, beginning with verse 1. Let not many of you become teachers, my brethren, for you know that we who teach shall be judged with greater strictness. For we all make many mistakes, and if anyone makes no mistakes in what he says, he is a perfect man, able to bridle the whole body also." If we put bits into the mouths of horses that they may obey us, we guide their whole bodies. Look at the ships also, though they are so great and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So the tongue is a little member and boast of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by a small fire, and the tongue is a fire. The tongue is an unrighteous world among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the cycle of nature, and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature, can be tamed and has been tamed by humankind, but no human being can tame the tongue, a restless evil full of deadly poison. With it we bless the Lord and Father, and with it we curse men who are made in the likeness of God." From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brethren, this ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening fresh water and brackish? Can a fig tree, my brethren, yield olives or grapevine figs? No more can salt water yield fresh. And then from the book of Colossians, beginning in chapter 4, verse 2, the godly use of the tongue. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving, and pray for us also that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ, on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear as I ought to speak. Conduct yourselves wisely toward outsiders, making the most of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer everyone. Tychicus will tell you all about my affairs. He is a beloved brother and faithful minister and fellow servant in the Lord. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. And with him, Onesimus, the faithful and beloved brother, who is one of yourselves, they will tell you of everything that has taken place. Let us pray together. Father, For these moments that we can open your word, we are so grateful. And Heavenly Father, I pray that you would feed our spiritual souls, our spiritual bodies from your word. 
Lord God, I thank you that you love every person who is in this auditorium. I thank you, Father, for the blessings of hearing the children sing. And I thank you, Lord, for the remembrance of 9-11. Father, I just pray that you will bless these moments now as we focus on your word. May your Holy Spirit take this passage of Scripture, and Lord, may it help us to understand how even with our tongues we can be used as your servants and as your spokesmen. Speak to our hearts, for we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. In the last two weeks, one of the first things that we've learned is that a tongue problem stems from a heart problem. And in Matthew chapter 12, verse 34, Jesus said these words, For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. We also found in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31, Whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Isn't that such a strong and powerful statement? Whatever we do as Christians, and remember that both of these passages of Scripture were written to the church of Jesus Christ. Both were written to believers. But folks, when you and I fail, and James reminds us that all of us, all of us make mistakes. When you and I fail, what is the spiritual antidote for our sins? 1 John 1.9 tells us, if we confess our sins. And folks, I want you to know this is such a beautiful verse because it's not only the sins that we commit with our tongues, but whatever sin that we commit as Christians, he, Jesus, is faithful and just and will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Today, we begin in verses 5 and 6 where James talks about the destructive power of the tongue. Now, again, folks, these words don't cut any corner. They go right straight to the matter. And in verses 5 and 6, James talks about how small our tongue is, but how great a forest is set ablaze by a small fire. And then in verse 6, he says, the tongue is a fire. Remember, for the last two weeks, we've mentioned that the tongue is perhaps one of the smallest members of our body, but probably is the biggest troublemaker. For most of us, our tongues get us in more trouble than any other part of our body. But folks, each one of us must consider what James is saying. Our tongues, our words, our text, our emails, all these ways of communicating can start fires. And like a fire, our tongue can become very destructive. And folks, again, think about what is the nature of fire. Number one, and we studied this last week, it leads to destruction. In marriage, in family, our community relationships, even in churches, the tongue of a quarrelsome or contentious person, the tongue of a gossiping and judging Christian can bring destruction to relationships, and to other people. Secondly, what does a fire do? It heats things up. And last week, we talked about how a hot head and hot heart can lead to burning words that we later regret. How many of us, as we have let our temper get out of control, become hot-headed, has that not led to us saying something that we shouldn't have said? And folks, I remember hearing this 
phrase many years ago, somebody said that a word spoken is like an egg scrambled. You cannot go back and unscramble an egg, and you cannot go back and take a word that has been said in anger. And the only hope that you and I have of controlling our anger and our temper and even our tongues is through the Lord Jesus Christ. And something that you and I need to acknowledge, even as Christians, that uncontrolled temper and anger leads to ungodly speech. A fire might start small, but it grows if it's not put out. Over the years, you and I can develop habits such as cussing or being foul-mouthed or bitterness or complaining or gossiping or judging. And folks, we must act to get that stopped in our heart and in our mouth and in our minds. Folks, again, the spiritual antidote is the blood of Jesus. The only hope that you and I have that we can control our temper and our tongues is the Spirit of God at work in our hearts in the blood of Jesus when we sin and when we do wrong. But there's a third thing about fire. It burns and it hurts. And so do our words burn and hurt. Think again, and all of us know this to be true, that so often we as husbands and wives have inflicted hurt and pain on our spouses by our words. I don't think there's any of us that, that couldn't say, well, I said something that I know that hurt my wife or my husband. Folks, again, it is so important that you and I understand that we can become verbally abusive. And again, I confess my sin in that. We can do that not only as husbands and wives, but we can do that as parents, and we can do that also as children. How often have we hurt others by demeaning and abusive speech? And folks, let's bring that on into the family of God, into the church house. So often you and I as fellow believers, fellow Christians, fellow church members can inflict pain and hurt by gossiping and judging. And when we get to Colossians chapter 4 and verse 6, Paul says, let your speech always be gracious. I, I can't wait till we get to that because the word grace literally comes from a Greek word whose root means beautiful. Let your speech be beautiful, Paul says, and seasoned with salt. But folks, listen to the description James gives the tongue in verse 6. Not only is the tongue a fire, but folks, listen to this. The tongue is an unrighteous world among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the cycle of nature, and set on fire by hell. Now, I want to read this out of a couple of other translations and paraphrases because I think there's such a great meaning in this verse. Listen to this verse out of the Living Bible. It is full of wickedness and poisons every part of the body. And the tongue is set on fire by hell itself and can turn our whole lives into a blazing flame of destruction and disaster. The New International Version translates it this way. It corrupts the whole person, sets the whole course of his life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. Now, folks, here is the point that James is trying to make. 
the battle with our tongue is and will be a lifelong struggle. Can I have an amen? I hope that you have been given the grace of God and you've already conquered the misuse of your tongue. But if you are like me, it's going to be a lifelong struggle. Because listen again to the translation of the NIV, the whole course of his life. Think about this. Throughout our lives daily, we will be tempted to use our tongue for Satan himself and not for the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me read some notes to you out of both the Life Application Bible and the Full Life Study Bible about the use of the tongue. When our speech is under the control of Satan and self, it is full of bitter jealousy, of selfish ambition, of earthly concerns and the desires, unspiritual thoughts and ideas, disorder, harsh and unkind words, gossiping, boasting, lying, exaggeration, slander. In essence, James is saying all kinds of evil. And the Revised Standard says staining, staining the whole body. You see... What we do so often with our mouth will just damage and perhaps even destroy in a moment the witness that we've had for Jesus Christ when it's out of control or out of the control of the Spirit. But when our speech and tongues are under control of God and of His Holy Spirit and of His wisdom revealed in His Word, our speech is full of love and purity, peace, consideration of others, Submission, mercy, sincerity, impartiality, and goodness. Now, folks, is it beyond our ability to have all of those things as a part of our speech? You remember the first Sunday that we started talking about this, and I'd never seen the book of light, uh, book of James in this light, but but James, according to Warren Wiersbe, is talking about about spiritual maturity. In chapter 1, he says, one mark of spiritual maturity is when you and I can face trials and tribulations and we don't become discouraged and give up. In chapter 2, another mark of spiritual maturity is when our faith is not just words, but it is action and it produces works. And in chapter 3, our spiritual maturity is proven by our tongues being under the control and guidance and filling of the Holy Spirit. And folks, if that's one of the definitions of spiritual maturity, there are many of us, and I include myself, that are still babies in the faith. And I want to point something out in, uh, in verse 8. James says, but no human being can tame the tongue. Folks, what James is trying to tell us is that you and I cannot handle or tame our tongues by ourselves. It must be the work of Christ and the work of the Holy Spirit. And because of our tendency to sin with our tongues, James has some encouragement and instructs Christians in chapter 1, verses 19 and 20. And we're going to pull this up on the, on the screen Chapter 1, verses 19 and 20. And look at this verse very closely. If you've got your Bible open, I hope you'll make a notation of what James is saying. Listen to this, verse 19. Know this, my beloved brethren. Again, he's talking to Christians. He's talking to the church. 
Let every man, and listen to this, he's going to say three things. Let every man be quick to hear. Now, somebody, I don't know who said this the first time, said that God gave us two ears and one mouth, so what do you think? He wants us to listen twice as much as he wants us to speak. I would probably need uh, a couple of dozen ears to match up with comparison to my words. But he says, let every man be quick to hear, slow to speech. You know, I want to tell you, the book of James, I, he just gets all on my case. I want to be heard. You know what I'm saying? I want my wife and my children and now my granddaughter to hear me. I've got an opinion. And most of the time, I think I'm right. I don't know why y'all are laughing. Don't y'all feel the same way too? But look at what he says, the third thing, slow to anger. And listen to verse 20. For the anger of man does not work the righteousness of God. Folks, listen to this. Again, James makes the correlation between anger and the ungodly use of the tongue. And folks, the scripture speaks to me. I don't know about you, but the scripture tells me here that if my anger and my temper is out of the control, my speech also will be out of control. And folks, that's where the rubber hits the road, so to speak. And so you see, it's not just a problem with saying the wrong words. It is a problem that starts again deep down in the heart. And so often the problem is anger. Now, this morning I, I stopped at the 830 service, but I've got about five more minutes. I want to share some things with you. And you can just tell the crowd at 830, and that way if they get mad, they'll get mad at you and not at me, okay? But look, I'm joking, y'all. All right, I'm joking. Look at the last part of verse 6. He says, It stains the whole body, setting on fire the cycle of nature, and set on fire by hell. Now, I want to tell you, James doesn't hold back, does he? Now, listen again, folks. He is talking to who? My brethren. He is talking to Christians. And this is what he says, that our tongue out of control of the Spirit of God is set on fire by hell. Now, you probably got a note in your Bible that the Greek word for hell is Gehenna. Let me tell you just a brief background of that word. The word Gehenna goes back to the Old Testament. And in Jeremiah chapter 7, verse 31, Gehenna was a, was a real place in the valley of Hinnom. And that place is south of Jerusalem, and it got a name for itself because in the Old Testament, God had strictly forbidden. There were ancient religions that believed in offering children by fire. And the people that honored that God would take their children to the valley of Gehenna and burn their children to their God. And God specifically says, do not burn your children in worship of false God. And so in the Old Testament, Gehenna represented a place where people destroyed others because they worshiped a false God. 
Now, folks, think about this for just a second. If James is referring to Kahina and mentioning our tongues, he is saying, with our tongues, we are destroying others in direct disobedience to God. And folks, that's a powerful picture and statement. But let me bring that up to the New Testament time. In New Testament time, Gehenna, again, was a place outside of Jerusalem, but it was a garbage dump. And in Gehenna, there was a continuous fire and stench that could be seen and smelled for many miles. And folks, listen to this. Listen to the comparison that James is making about our tongue. When God and his Holy Spirit is not in control of our tongues, our tongues become like a garbage dump filled with all sorts of decaying and abandoned articles in filth and stench. That's pretty powerful, isn't it? And folks, I think James is saying, and I'm not trying to be a smart aleck, we can have spiritual bad breath. Now, I'm not trying to be gross, and I've had bad breath before in my life because people have told me that. But isn't that kind of offensive? Don't you just want to kind of back away from somebody? Well, folks, this is a picture that James is giving because our tongues have been set on fire by Gehenna or by hell. Folks, think about this for just a second. When God is in control of our tongues, guess what? It's not set on fire by hell, but it's set on fire by what? Heaven. Now think about this for just a second. And I don't know if James has this comparison in mind, but think about on the day of Pentecost when the Spirit of God took control of the mouths of Peter and others. And Peter stood up and he preached and thousands responded. Folks, there's a difference. And folks, this is a message for, for the 21st century church. One of the first impressions that people's going to get of you and me is what? Our tongues. And if you're like me and you're always speaking, they're going to have plenty of ammunition if you're not saying and doing the right things. Folks, there's a message in this for us. God wants our tongues to give him glory. I pray that we're doing that, and I'm speaking of Herbert as well as you. Let's pray together. Father, help us to listen to your spirit as we listen to your word. God, I thank you that James lets us know that all of us make mistakes because that truly is the truth. All of us make mistakes with our tongues. But Father, I thank you again for the blood of your Son that forgives our sins and washes it away. I pray, Father, that you will work in our hearts that our tongues would be set on fire by heaven and by the Holy Spirit.
And I just pray, Lord, that even in what we say, that you would be praised and glorified. We would be encouraging to others, and we would truly be a witness to those that do not yet know you as Savior. Forgive us, Father, for when our tongues have been used for the wrong purpose, and help us, Father, to use them for your honor and your glory. May your will be done in these moments of invitation. For we ask in Jesus' name, amen.